I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. I cannot believe, like, I'm still trying to fathom all this, that the New York Knicks have made the playoffs. This is going to be the first episode that we're doing on the Knicks since they got the clinch. It's been a bit because I missed the last episode. Um, well, I didn't miss it. I'm just a little late. Um, but, yeah, since we've last spoken... The Knicks have clinched the playoffs, man. Unbelievable. Um, you know, I remember... And if you watched episode 245 last time out, where uh, we talked Yankees, I brought up that... And go check that episode out. It was good. We had a couple guests come on. It was a good, a good show. Um, but, uh, you know, early on in the episode, I talked about how... We kind of touched on the Knicks a little bit, and I, I told a story. If you haven't heard it, uh, I, I guess I'll just tell you right now, but please go check that episode out. Um, in 2013, that was the first year that I... Actually, it was, it was more... So it started in like 20... It was the 2011-2012, the Jeremy Lin season. February, I was on vacation with my family. Linsanity happened. That was what, like, drew my attention to the Knicks. It made me like aware of, oh look, the Knicks are fun right now. So I, you know, I became a casual fan of them, but I didn't really like hop on. But I was, I was aware. The twenty thirteen se- the twenty twelve twenty thirteen season comes the very next year. And I start getting more invested. I become instantly a diehard Carmelo fan at the time. And I watch every... I That season, I watched every single game. I remember, like, certain games and certain performances, like Melo's 45 against the Hawks, where he went 9 for 12 from 3. I was in one of my old bedrooms with a small TV the size of like a computer screen just staring at it in awe watching it. I I remember so many little details from that because it was such a magical season for me. And so I want to tell you, you know, I guess not like a fucking story, but like it's it's just the, the last memory I have of a good Knicks team. That same year, 2013, my father took me to game two of the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Game two. It was Knicks Celtics at the Garden. We had decent seats, you could see. It was behind the basket up a little. And, you know, I I've heard that was that was my first Knicks game ever. It was it was a playoff game. It was my first Knicks game. But I've heard coming in, I always heard about how 
there's nothing louder than Madison Square Garden in the playoffs. And gosh, it's so loud in MSG, yada, yada, yada. And I was, you know, I shrugged it off, whatever. You know, that's that's just people hyping, hyping it up like they do with their favorite sports teams. And then I heard my father say it. And I'm like, huh. All right, let's see how this is. So he took me to the game. Game two at the Garden, 2013. Shit. I mean, he was right. They were all right. There is nothing. Like, there's nothing. Like a New York fan base. But there's nothing like the New York Knicks fan base. And you, I'm sure everybody hears that old cliche, but it's true. When the Knicks are good, New York is popping. And to hear Madison Square Garden in 2013 in the playoffs just go fucking nuts. It was the loudest. I mean, I couldn't, at times I couldn't hear myself breathe. I guess people don't hear themselves breathe, but shit analogy there. Um... But you know what I mean. I, I couldn't hear myself think. It was fucking freakish. And I understand that now we're in 2021. It's different. COVID bullshit. So it's not going to be a packed crowd of, of you know, multi-thousand Bronx maniacs. But 30,000, whatever the fuck the capacity is at MSG. But, um... It's going to be louder <clears throat> than any other arena. I'm going to tell you that right now. Any other venue, even if some other states are allowing more people into the crowd, into the seats, I am telling you, no matter the Knicks could have 200 and everybody else could have thousands. It would make it sound even louder because Knicks fans know how to roar. They know how to fucking get up. It was the funnest time. And that was the funnest one of the better, put it up there with some of the Yankee playoff games I've been to. They might top it just because I've been to so, like, just because I, I don't know. I don't fucking know, but it's, it's up there. You just, cause it was so long ago. I might want to put it like the Bronx in the playoffs is really good too, but something I just. When you're at MSG, man, it's magic. Like it, it's magical. And I'm just so happy we're back in the playoffs now. I remember that game though. Carmelo dropped 34 points. He was up and down with the shot all night, but he had some big shots late in the game. The Knicks pulled away, and I, it, it's up there. It's up there. Because I've been to a lot of playoff games with the Yankees. And that's loud too. Especially when I'm in the bleachers. It's like one big fucking party. But it's up there. If not right there with it. Amazing. Amazing. So I'm so proud that this Knicks team is able to go back into the playoffs. So fucking proud.
it's going to be an amazing time. I hope. <laughs> and obviously we've still got to figure out what's going on, who's playing who, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm just, I, I just wanted to share that, like, my experience at the Garden for the first, I've been there since, a few other times, when the Knicks have been shit, but that 2013 season was the last time we made the postseason. And being in the Garden then, I finally understood what all the hype was about. It is out of this world fucking bizarre. An experience I will never forget. I could get amnesia tomorrow. That will stick in my head. Still. So I am so excited to see this team back in there, man. And this team is different. You know, this isn't your 2013 team. That team was fun. Something in my fucking eye. Ah, fuck. fucking piece of wood. I don't know what that is. Anywho, as I suffocate over here, um, that team was fun, but, but I literally have something stuck in my eye. Oh, there we go. That team was fun, but the difference is This 2021 team, this is for long term, right? That 2013 team was, you know, he had one superstar, Carmelo Anthony, at the top of his peak. And you had a bunch of stopgap role players. Just passing through time and the Knicks were that you know that one team in the middle of their career you know it was it was a, it was a temporary short-term team that everybody knew wasn't going to stick around and last especially when Jackson traded everybody away <laughs> um but everybody knew that wasn't like a something we were building forever we just happened to put it all together in you know the last offseason or so and and it worked. And from there, it didn't work again. Then they all got traded. But this team, we've been miserable for years because we've tried to draft and we've had some bust draft picks in the past and we've been hit or miss and same thing in free agency. I, This team's different. You know, you've got a core now. You've had this solid core for the last couple of years and it's getting and it's growing more. You look like it looks like we have something here. Um, he's not here right now because he's injured for the year. But Mitchell Robinson, you know, solid center to build around. And he might get some criticism for Knicks fans, but he's solid. He's still very young. He's already top tier defensively you know rim protecting extraordinaire a shot blocker with both hands 
keeps it in bounds, can block you in the inside, could take you on the perimeter and block you too. Plays that pick and roll really well. Covers the pick and roll well in drop coverage. He's super athletic. Throws down insane lobs. You know. Is he more of a rim runner than he is a stretch? Yeah. He's not going to shoot your threes. But he could be successful. He could be a uh, perennial defensive player of the year. You have Mitchell Robinson. So a solid, young, big to build around. You've got Emmanuel Quickly, who came upon the scene this year. He looks like he's going to be the next fucking... You know, and I'm not comparing their careers, but a Lou Williams type. You know, scoring punch off the bench, momentum shifting baskets, energy, spark plug type of guy. He looks promising. Promising young guard. Knicks fans love him. RJ Barrett. The jump he has taken from his inefficient, inconsistent, but showing flashes of promise rookie season, promise, rookie season to a sophomore season to where people are starting to realize, huh, maybe we should respect R.J. Barrett after all. Maybe we should cut the bullshit bus talks. Maybe we should stop, say, stop saying send him to the G League like we were in his uh, rookie season. He's pretty damn good, guys. The confidence this young man has and plays with, the poise, doesn't shy from the moment. And he's shooting the three-pointer now. One of the more efficient three-point shooters in the league over the last few months. Has his percentage at 40% on the season. Averaging 18 points a night. Six rebounds. Three assists. For a 20-year-old wing. He's only getting better. Big jump. And he's playing solid defense this season. He's going to be... I'm telling you. This guy's headed towards an all-star path. Julius Randle. Knicks fans, including myself, wanted this guy out of town on draft night. You know, the Knicks drafted Obi Toppin because they wanted him out of town. So nobody expected this big turnaround. And here we are. Now we're all talking about wanting to throw this guy the bag at some point between now and the end of next season. It could even happen this summer. If they get it out of the way. Because they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And he deserves it. <clears throat> he is doing Larry Bird shit. Larry Bird shit. Nobody has done 20, 10, and 5 on 40% three-point shooting before. Other than Larry Bird and one Julius Randle. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what he has done.
He is the anchor of this team this season. He's the number one option now. He's only 26 years old too. He's not the youngest on the team, but he's only 26 years old. The shooting, how drastically that's improved, and we're going to touch on that a little bit. He's been fat, fucking fabulous. The big turnaround. So you've got this solid core to build around. You got one right here. And you've got financial flexibility. A hell of a fucking head coach in Tom Thibodeau. I mean, what can I say? Yeah, I've had my my issues with what he does. You know, I've basically criticized him all season for the rotations. You know, I don't like some of his lineups. But as the season has winded down, he's tightened it up. Where we know that, you know, the guys that Knicks fans are, are getting on and Alfred Payton, he's no longer getting those 30 minutes a night starts. He's just, he's still starting, but it's only for about 12 to 15, 16 minutes a night. So I really haven't had any gripes with him for a while now. But even if I, you know, even back when I did. This team has been winning games all season long, so there's no, there's nothing I have that, like, nothing, I'm not going to fucking complain too much about one thing. He has been fucking fantastic. He's the reason the Knicks are where they are. He's the reason Julius Randle has taken this step upwards. He's the reason RJ Barrett has stepped up on, on the defensive side of the floor this year. And the Knicks have become a top defensive team. A gritty 90s Knicks-esque type of team. That's Tom Thibodeau. That's coaching. That's development. That's coaching. And the coaching staff, Kenny Payne. Hell of a job. Mike Woodson, before he took the job at Indiana. Great job getting the Knicks back on their feet. You look at the executives. First of all, you got to thank Leon Rose for assembling this entire roster in you know, him and Perry and, and Jim Dolan for taking a look at Tom Thibodeau and making him the guy. He Tom Thibodeau's the man. He is going to, you're going to fight for me. Right? That's the mantra. You're going to fight. And if you're not fighting, you're sitting on the damn bench. If you're not playing hard defense, if you're not sharing the ball offensively, you're sitting on the bench. He's come in with a plan. He's made that plan known. He's strict. He's not your friend. He's your coach. And that's the difference between him and David Fisdale. David Fisdale wanted to act like a tough guy to the media. But when it came down to it, there was no accountability with him. There was zero accountability with David Fisdale. But Tom Thibodeau, that's the one thing that I think every Knicks fan can agree on is that he holds his guys accountable. And that is why the Knicks are winning. We're going to head to break. 
We'll be right back. I'm just so happy, man. I'm ecstatic. The Knicks have clinched the playoffs. First time in eight years. We're going back, folks. We're going back. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make a playoff game at the Garden this year. I'm going to try. But I'm sure the prices are going to be... Let's just say you can't find tickets at the dollar store. <laughs> hey Siri, what's the score of the Clippers game? were beaten by the Rockets. Yeah, fuck me. Big upset. Oh. Had a parlay on Clippers money on all Clippers three and a half spread. Um fucking uh jazz minus two and a half and uh Yankees money line. Got the first two, didn't get the Clippers one because they upset against the Rockets. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the, the Knicks. So the Knicks are in the, <laughs> the Knicks are in the playoffs. Um Yeah, it's it's amazing, man. It's I'm so happy that this is where we are. I Who would have thought Vegas said what? 22 and a half? They hit the over on 22 and a half or Yeah, they said 22 wins. I think it was I think it was 22 wins. I, I'm confused. Like, I sit here and I'm still trying to fathom all this. We have, there's a shot we win 40 games. There's two games left. We've got 39 wins. Two very winnable games. There's a shot we get 40 wins in a shortened season. 10 games less. We have 39 games, right? So 10 games less on the schedule this season. So say we end with 40. Don't like jumping ahead. That's 50 in a normal season, right? I don't know if that's how the math checks out. So let's divide. Not like it matters. It's impressive regardless. So if we go 40. So if we win 40 out of 72, that's 40 and 32, right? So 40 divided by 72 is a 56 winning percentage. 555. Let's go 50 divided by 82. Okay, that's a lot more. Okay, that's 61. That's 609 versus 555. So 45 divided by 82. All right. So for, yeah, it's about, it's about 46, 47 wins in a normal season. That's fucking good. So that's like legit top four. Or top, we're six. That's legit top six. It's not just like, you know, 47 wins, that's, yeah, we're not, you know, we're 39 and, 39 and 30? 
39-31? Yeah, 39-31. That's good. That's a decent record. It's not a relative statement right there. That's a decent record. You know, for the Knicks, that's an incredible record. But you look at any team, or, you know, not 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 a contender, not a title contender, but, you know, a lot of teams in the league, 39-31 is decent. So, the New York Knicks being 39-31 is incredible, man. You know, to say that at worst, we have a decent record when comparing it to everybody, that's awesome. We're good now. We're relevant. We're here. And if all continues to go well, we will keep going in that right direction. And we'll never be in that shit. Hopefully we can put that shit era behind us. And now we move forward and we have something promising to look at. I mean, if I'm excited for this, as a Knicks fan who hopped on in 2013, 2012-ish, could you imagine the diehards that have been here from the start? Like, our fathers? I'm 26, so like, the generations above us, the ones who have seen this team really struggle. The ones who've been there since... You know, when they first won their title in, in the 70s. And then they had their issues after that. And then they had their hopeful years in the 90s, but never got it done. And then they were awful for the majority of the 2000s. So I can't imagine what you guys feel like. What our... The generation above us. Must feel like a hell, hell of a time. And I'm sure there are a lot of people hopping on now. Folks who did not watch the Knicks because they were irrelevant. And now they're probably just hopping right back on. I don't blame you. It's not something I would do. I think it's it's cowardly. But I mean, I, I don't blame you. You want to join in? You like trends, don't you? This is fun. There's something more to it when you've been watching them struggle. And now you get to see them thrive there's something more to, it makes it better than just hopping on the wagon <clears throat> excuse me so the Knicks have clinched all is well all is very all is very very well few games left now that we've clinched we are we're going for seating right we are we are going for seating here and so I want to bring this up if I can bring it up um, let's see if I can get the right. I know the screen's black for a second. I'm just trying to fix this. I'm going to pull something up really quick. Bear with me. It's coming. Here we go. So that's the standings, man. That's where we are. We're, we're right here. We're number six. There are two games remaining for everybody else, too. So... Right now, as the sixth seed, if you scroll up here, the season ends today. We're matched up with the Milwaukee Bucks. And when you look at the three teams we could potentially play, you know, in the Bucks, uh, the Bucks, the Hawks, maybe even the Nets, if you want to add a fourth team in there, but the Bucks, the Hawks, and the um, the Miami Heat are the three teams I'm looking at. Right? 
I think the number one team of those three I do not want to play is the one that the cursor is on right now. I do not want to be faced up against uh, the Miami Heat. I think that's a matchup nightmare. You know, I think Adebayo would give Randall issues. Uh, Jimmy Butler, he would definitely... You saw how he treated R.J. Barrett last time the two sides played. Um, that would be a nightmare. We had issues guarding Tyler Hero, and I'm sure... Uh, Sheen from Jimmy Neutron will do his thing. So. And the Bucks, I don't want to face either. Probably the second team I don't want to face. Right after Miami. Uh, but Giannis has been schemed in the playoffs. You know. To where he hasn't been as effective. You know, when, when teams swarm him and force him to shoot. Jump shots. And threes. But I, 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 you know, all Knicks fans, I think when I, when I say this, you know, I think I speak for most of us. And I sound, I feel like a coward saying this, but like, we want the Atlanta Hawks. You know, we aren't scared of the Atlanta Hawks. I feel like the Atlanta Hawks are a team we can handle. Um, Let's see if I can, yeah, you know what? My keyboard's all screwed up. I was going to see, I was trying to find out what the score, the season series was with Knicks Hawks. I don't remember. Is it one-to-one? -one? Oh no, we've played each other a few times. I don't know. I was trying to look it up, but my keys are all screwed up. I spilled coffee on my keyboard, so I can't really type. It's going to. I type one key and a few others get pushed down. It's it's fucked up. But um, right now we're six, so we're matched up with the three, the Milwaukee Bucks. But see how tight it is. So the uh, the Hawks have a cakewalk schedule the rest of the way. Um, but I'm really hoping the Knicks win out and Miami drops at least one game, so we have a shot. You know, if we can win this next two these next two games and Miami drops at least one. That's something, right? Then we're matched up with the Hawks. That's huge. So long as the Bucks don't start slipping. No, wait, no, they won't. They already, oh, no, 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 no. They've already clinched the three. What am I talking about? Um, so, yeah, if we can win out in Miami, we just need Miami to drop one game. That's it. If we win out and the Hawks win out and Miami just drops one game, it's a lot of ifs for sure. We'll get that Hawks matchup. Um, but I'm saying I have a feeling it's going to be the way it is right now. The Hawks have a cakewalk schedule. The Heat are surging right now. Um, unless you want to take them to an overtime game where I see right here they're 0-4. Yeah, it might be Knicks Bucks. And that's unfortunate, you know. Um, but <laughs> you're not going to be nitpicking. We shouldn't even be in the playoffs. At this point, the season is already a win. We're just playing with house money. Anything from here on out is house money. We're fucking seeing where we can go with this, baby. So let's head to break again. When we get back from break, we'll recap, uh, 
We'll touch on the Lakers game. I don't have any notes for the Lakers game because I, I just put that in the past. It was before the clinch, so I don't care anymore. Um, we'll touch on that for a second or two, literally. And then we'll, we'll dive more into the uh, the recent Spurs game, which I caught um, just recently today, earlier today. And by today, I mean Friday. Friday, May 14th. So. I had to watch the DVR version. That's because I had two, I was recording 245 that same night and watching the Yankees at the same time. So I didn't have time to watch the Knicks. And if you haven't checked out 245 of BD4 yet, go do that. Great time um, with Anthony and Mike talking UFC. Uh, we talked boxing. We talked NBA 2K. We all used to play together. And we discussed you know some things going on right now in the world. And it was a, it was a fun time we had for about... 40 minutes and then the uh, 40 minutes before that conversation that we all had I went over the Yankees series against the uh, the Rays the Yankees won against Baltimore in a, in a nice fashion tonight with Gio getting the big late home run coming off the bench so you know we're obviously going to talk Yankees at the end of the weekend but for this episode episode 246 we're talking Yanks oh, I'm sorry <laughs> we're talking Knicks the Knicks clinch, and now they go for seeding. They're going for seeding now. Hopefully we can take these final two games. We've got, so we just took down the Spurs. I think it's the Hornets and then the Celtics. Both at Madison Square Garden. So, let's go to break. When we get back from break, we'll get right into the episode. And of course, if you haven't subscribed yet to BD4, you can always sub right now. If you're listening to this right now, you're probably sub, but if you aren't sub, be sure to subscribe. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, many other major feeds. You can watch us on YouTube, the actual video version of the podcast. If you want to subscribe to the blog that I write on the Yankees and Knicks too, do that. Daily recaps of the Yankees games and the Knicks games. And if you want to follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can do that as well. All that information, the podcast, the blog, my social media, that's all on my link tree. So if you want to find that, just go to my link tree. That's at linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. So when the Knicks took on the Lakers a few nights ago, this again was before the quench. Um, I literally have no notes for this one. It was a tough battle. The Knicks had themselves a decent lead. It looks like they were, it looked like they were going to pull away, but ultimately in the end, some blown coverages, not getting key rebounds and missed shots hurt them. You know, Derrick Rose was on fire, 27 points. Julius Randle was connecting. 
It was a game from hell, though, for R.J. Barrett. But first, Randall missed that shot, which sent them into OT. He missed a, a runner down the middle of the lane. That had a good look. It just rolled out. Kind of tired of him taking the last shot every time and going ISO. Just Thibodeau draw anything else up. And then that nightmare shot, you know, once THT hits that big three to kind of cap off the night for the Lakers, the Knicks have a shot there at the end of OT. And it's R.J. Barrett with six full seconds left at the top of the key. Takes a couple steps forward. Then he dribbles backwards. And he's at the logo. He had six seconds left. And he ends up taking a logo three. R.J. Barrett. Now he's been efficient from three this year. But he's not fucking Steph Curry. He's not fucking Damian Lillard. He's not Paul George. You know, he's not Emmanuel Quickly. He doesn't have that range. Low IQ shot. Terrible game. You know, I, I, for, for R.J. Barrett. The offense was awful. I think he was 2 for 11. The defense, he was getting cooked by Kuzma. It was a rough game for the Knicks. A rough loss. One that, at the time, we, we really wanted that. So we could clinch on our own that night. Because Boston lost. All we needed to do was win that. And we would have clinched doing it ourselves, but it ends up that we take the clinch the next night when Boston loses, and we're off. And so that was that. You put that in the past, again, rough loss, but whatever. It's in the past, because we, we, we're we in the playoffs now, and now we're just... You know, if there's the one thing that game did negatively, it's, you know, it was more the Celtics win, or the Celtics loss that night, that kind of fucked up our chances to take on the Hawks. Because we were the fourth seed after that, before that loss. And with the Celtics losing that game, it kind of, you know, the heat are going up. And so we had a good shot before that ha all happened to face the Hawks in the postseason. Now it seems like, you know, it's going to be Milwaukee. But it happened. Whatever. Randall, 31 points, um, eight rebounds. Rose led the team in assists with six. Um, yeah, you can see the stats at the bottom of the screen on the ticker there if you're watching the podcast. That was it. That was the Lakers game. Did I say game one? I feel like I just did. I always say game one because I have it labeled here on the software as game one because it's game one of the podcast that we're discussing. But that was the Lakers game. The Lakers game was on Thursday. Now this game against the Spurs, much better. <laughs> we, we got the win. Um, by the way, Mike Breen was inducted to the uh, Broadcaster Hall of Fame. Awesome. Awesome. I found this out today, Friday, May 14th, on the same day that one of my other favorite broadcasters, Ken Singleton, was uh, doing the Yankees game for the first time this season. It's his final year. He's retiring. So, uh, Singleton and Breen are like two of my favorites from each sport. Singleton's my guy in baseball. I think he's my favorite baseball announcer. And then Breen, Breen and Clyde are awesome. But Breen very much deserves this, man. He's awesome. He's iconic. He's an iconic motherfucker. That's what I put out on Twitter earlier. You know, he's got the whole bang call. He's got such intensity when he causes these games. 
he makes you enjoy it. You know, he gets you into it. He's awesome. One of my favorite things about Brain is he's so professional. You know, he doesn't go LeBron. Like, he says James. He always calls LeBron James, James. He doesn't say LeBron like every other announcer will. This man never, I've never heard him say, I, he doesn't say anybody's first name. He's old school, like, he'll say the last name. That's one thing I always found funny with Breen. He will stick to that. Everybody will call, you know, everybody has their certain names that they call this player. You know, he's this, he's that. Everybody calls Nilakina Frank. But he still calls him Nilakina. Everybody calls Taj Gibson Taj. But he'll call him Gibson. You know, LeBron James is James. He does, he's very, I, I've always, I don't know, it's a stupid thing. I always found that funny. But congrats to Mike Breen on making the Hall of Fame. He's iconic. Everybody loves Mike Breen. Mike Breen. Breen, Breen is the man. So this Spurs game. Knicks pick the 102. They pick up the 102-98 victory. Um, some ugly offense in that first half. You know, uh, Randall drops 14 points in the first quarter. The Knicks only scored 20 points. But then Randall was held scoreless for the next quarter and change. Um, it was Alec Burks in the second who had to carry the offensive load. He scores 14. Otherwise, the Knicks struggle offensively. 41% from the floor in the first half. 31% from three in the first half. And, um... Fortunately, the San Antonio Spurs were only 34% from the field in that first half, so... The Knicks ended up going into the break up 46 to 43. And then the third quarter from hell. And was it from hell? Spurs with a tremendous run out of the gate. 14 nothing run. Ugly defense for the Knicks. Saw them down as many as 17 points. Fairly deep into the period too. It was gross. It looked like the Knicks were going to get blown out to a non-contending Spurs team. Which is very odd to say. Ugly game. And, you know, it had fans overreacting like fucking crazy on social media. Now, I didn't watch this game live, but, you know, I saw some shit. I watched it knowing the Knicks won. Because I saw some shit on social media. People were ripping them. But, later in the quarter, Noel and Peyton check out, and we'll touch on them. The Knicks get hot. Bullock gets his first points of the night on a three. RJ Barrett starts spotting up and hitting those corner triples. He also had a coast-to-coast -coast take for an and one which he converted. And the Knicks go on a 15-2 run to wrap up the third quarter after an abysmal, abysmal start to it. Fourth quarter comes. Alec Burks, after a big second quarter, turns into Triple B again. Triple B. Big Bucket Burks hitting huge shots. He had the corner three at the top of the fourth period to give the Knicks the lead. 
He ha- he hit another three from the corner. I think he hit two more from the corner. He broke the tie with under three minutes to go with that offhand finish for the and one, which he converted. This put the Knicks up three or four points. Don't remember. RJ hitting big shots in the quarter. You know, he broke the tie with 728 remaining. Um, later sealed the deal with a pair of free throws. And the Knicks were 18 of 18 at the stripe. Randall hitting big threes. His only three of the game was a big clutch three-pointer in the fourth. DeRozan made it tough. He had some good counter buckets, but Randall then hits that big clutch extended free throw line jumper two dribble pull up with under a minute to go and that helps the Knicks gain some separation they end up winning it big time defense in the fourth quarter along with that offense coming along you know San Antonio was just 35% versus the Knicks 45% in the quarter Uh, the Spurs were 7 of 7 in the paint but they could not convert anything outside of the paint. So if they were 7 for 7 inside the paint and still finished just 35% in the quarter, that tells a lot. They struggled shooting the ball. Um, It was a good fun fun ending to a game that looked ugly at first, you know. But first off, I want to, you know, it was a great game for R.J. Barrett, who really struggled, again, in that Lakers game, right? Between the poor shooting, getting lit, lit up by Kyle Kuzma, and that low IQ final shot, you know, that ill-advised three-pointer, he needed to come to play in this one. And he did. And he did. After going 0 for 7 from 3 in LA, he's 5 for 9 en route to scoring 24 points along with 9 rebounds and 5 assists. A huge, huge second half of this game. First half was more a continuation of Thursday night. But in the second half, he's on a 6-for-6 stretch at one point. The Again, the assisted three-point buckets he makes. So fun to watch. He's so comfortable shooting those spot-ups. He was making the extra pass, even though he was shooting hot. Still being selfless and making his teammates better. You know, he hit up Burks there at the end for a couple. And he played good defense. He played very good, high competitive defense. His rotations were on point. He was closing out well. And he was playing very physical against Lonnie Walker. So I was very impressed with R.J. Barrett's bounce back game. And, you know, somebody told me on Twitter, this kid knows what he's doing. He's going to bounce back. I wasn't denying it. I was just hoping we saw it. And we saw it. Great bounce back. Great job. Alec Burks. How could you mention a win without mentioning Alec Burks? I mean, he was a big part of this win. He was the biggest part of the win. Producing in the absence of Derrick Rose with 30 points and 10 rebounds. Shooting 11 for 20. 5 for 10 specifically from 3-point distance. And three for three at the charity stripe. Isn't it incredible how it feels like every time, every single time, somebody's down, 
somebody has a big night in their spot. And, you know, Derrick Rose, the sprained ankle, did not play in this one. But Alec Burks returns in this one. And he goes for 30 points and 10 fucking rebounds as soon as Derrick Rose gets hurt. It's that next man up mantra we've been seeing the entire year. It reminds me very much of that Yankee squad a couple of years ago. To a different, you know, capacity. But yeah, Burks was fantastic. Doing his thing. Being elusive off the dribble. Playing very well on the ball. Offensively, you know, despite some reckless passes here and there. He was good with the ball in his hands. As that playmaker. As that shooter. He was driving past closeouts and finishing. He was just being very crafty. Again, some off-hand finishes and providing that clutch three-point shooting. Being that sniper, triple B, in that fourth quarter. His rebounding was very strong. He was rising up above, uh, rising up uh, against defenses and fucking... This is a guard who just grabbed ten rebounds in a game. Westbrook shit. Except with a win. <laughs> Had to throw that in there. Not the biggest Westbrook fan. Um, incredible stats. But Julius Randle. How could you not mention him? Of course you got to mention him. He's been the reason the Knicks are where they are. Strong effort again. He, you know, 45 minutes. He logged all but three minutes of this game. Um, did not shoot well, 7 out of 21 from the floor, just 1 for 5 from the 3-point line. But he still finishes with 25 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists. Instead, he got to the line and drew contact to uh, generate his offense. And, you know, attacking the lane when he was in single coverage. And when, you know, the doubles came, he was kicking it out to open shooters on the perimeter. The usual stuff. That we're seeing from Randall this this season. Excuse me. So while the jumper wasn't there, it's been there all season. It's going to happen. I'm so impressed though with Julius Randall's physicality this year. I feel like that needs to we like we talk about the shooting all the time, but when he's on the low block in the post or bodying up mismatches and, and even guys his size like Anthony Davis the other night. He was clearly injured. He was hobbling. Randall was giving him a tough time. To have his, his physicality, he's dominant. He's a physical player. And I feel like that's not talked about enough because of how good he's been as a jump shooter. He's physical. Like, he's a three-level scorer for a reason. You know, you can step out a few feet and shoot. But when you're that big, you're 6'8", 250 like Julius is. You best be able to finish. And he's a physical player on the block. <clears throat> Spinning around, excuse me, and hitting him, hitting those turnarounds, those tough turnarounds in the post and using his body to create space, absorbing contact. He's a physical nightmare to handle, especially if you're a smaller, frame, smaller framed body going up against Julius Randle. Yeah, that needs to be talked about. He's a physical player. So, he has a, a strong performance despite shooting 
off. What's that one badge in 2K? It's like the... Uh, there's that one badge. It's like you can drain your opponent's energy with how physical you are. I don't know what it's called. It's been a while. It's been like since last summer where I played NBA 2K. So I haven't played in forever, but yeah. He was great. Uh, not so great. Uh, a few guys. You know, Emmanuel quickly returned after a couple of games missing. He was 0 for 4. Whatever, it's it's he'll be fine. Um, he's been extremely inconsistent all year as the year has gone on, but you know that's that's what a rookie is. Reggie Bullock struggled again. I think he had just eight points, didn't shoot great. Um, played strong defense on Demar Derozan for most of the game. He also poked that loose ball on Patty Mills, then he leaked out in transition for uh, afterwards for the finish. So we had some good moments defensively as usual. He was a good 3 and D presence out there. Uh, but the three ball was inconsistent. He had some good looks too. He just wasn't wasn't hitting. Um, overall quiet night. Now, Nerlens Noel and Alfred Payton. One player I can't praise more than I already do. Wow, this Warriors-Pelicans game is pretty damn good. It's, it's 120 to, 9, to 119. 120 to 119. New Orleans with the lead. They've got the ball a minute and a half left. And it's in Golden State. Hmm. I don't know if any of these two teams are... I think these two teams are both in the race, or is it just Golden State? I don't know. Noel and Peyton. Um, oh, they were abysmal. They were a chore to watch. They were. Um, and Noel has been rough to watch lately. Peyton all season, but... It was mainly that third quarter. It was their pick and roll coverage. Oh my gosh. It was like a... It was like a fucking... Dog trying to sniff its own ass. They were fucking... All over the place. And San Antonio saw how weak they were... In pick and roll coverage. And they kept attacking them. In pick and rolls. And they were abusing the paint with it. Spurs were 100%. 11 for 11 to start out the third quarter. It's fucking disgusting. Disgusting. I don't think they were 11 for 11 though. They were 100%. I think they were 9 for 9. They might have been 11 for 11. Fuck. Yeah, they, they were. They were 11 for 11 actually. Pulled it up. Yeah, I have it up right here. Sick. But they were just attacking. Both of them. How vulnerable they looked in pick and roll. And we've seen Peyton. How abysmal he can be at guarding that. How lazy and, and effortless he is in that pick and roll. What was that game against Phoenix? Fucking hell. If you watch that third quarter against Phoenix, the second game against Phoenix... He wasn't even fighting over those screens. And that was, you know, and he wasn't recovering. So it was forcing guys, you know, our bigs like Noel and Taj to hedge off Aiton every single time in order to cut off CP3's drives. 
And that would just fuck everything up. He had Aiden Duncan down low, wide open every time because of that, because of Peyton starting that trend. And so this reminded me of that time. So it was fucking awful. And Noel's flaws are coming back to hurt him lately, right? I mean, we know about the brick hands on offense. You know, Evan Ingram times 10. And, you know, the mobility has killed the, the Knicks in pick and roll lately. And I was praising him earlier a few weeks back about his drop coverage, which yeah, I liked his execution in it. More so Taj, but lately it's been rough. He's, you know, had issues with these bigger, more physical bodies. Um, He only had one defensive rebound all night. One defensive rebound all night is not a good look. He's never been a great rebounder, so that's the problem too. That's where we really miss Mitchell Robinson is, is on the glass. Right, Noel's done a nice job blocking shots and being that rim protector. But man, he can't rebound anything near like Mitchell Robinson can rebound. Opposing teams are dominating the offensive glass. Dominating. Meanwhile, Alfred Payton, you know, a rough game. Fucking pathetic. A puke performance is what I wrote down in my notes. Zero points, one rebound, two assists. 13 minutes of play. He gets lit up by Murray. Murray scores 14 points. Murray dishes out seven, uh, seven assists. Peyton has zero fucking points in a basketball game. One of his worst performances offensively. One of his, not the worst. Usually when you score zero, it's probably going to be the worst. But he's so pathetic, it's only one of his worst. Unfortunately, when Taj Gibson checked in in that third quarter, he brought much more of an impact positively. And he got stops. He scored on the inside. He started rebounding. Some nice post finishes later on. Rim runs. He had that nice, uh, nice finish off the dump off by RJ earlier in the first half, which was cool. I love when he's floating in the knocker spot and you have someone come down the lane and dish it off to him. I love when they do that with Noel. They do it a lot with Mitch. I don't love when they do it with Noel. Sorry. I don't know. Because he'll drop that shit. He does every time. But Tosh had a, had a, had a good performance. Um, he ends up going six points, nine rebounds, four blocks, three for five field goals. So good solid win. Let's hope we can take these final two games. And once the regular season is over, guys, we are... You know, here you are again. We are hopefully going to get the Hawks, but we'll see. We will see. You know, the Hawks are number four. If they can drop um, the Miami Heat, if the Miami Heat can drop to six and we keep winning, all it takes is one loss for them and two wins for us. And there you have it. We're facing the Hawks in the, in the, uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So, and you look at it, we could also, there's a chance we play Miami. Again, I don't want that, but the Hawks lose one and Miami wins one. I don't know who has the tiebreaker, but it's tight, man. Look at it. It's tight. All right. So whoever we are facing, just prepare for a tough matchup. It's, it's not going to be easy. I don't think the Knicks are going to head into that series regardless of who they're playing. 
thinking it's going to be easier than another, you know, one game being easier. They're going to, you know, they're coached by, again, Tom fucking Thibodeau. He's going to make sure they're prepared for every team like it's the fucking uh, 96 Bulls. So, I think that's it. I think that's all we've got covered. Uh, we, we covered everything that we needed to. And uh, a good win to bounce back from that horrid Lakers loss in overtime. Um, good comeback win after a pathetic third quarter. Finish it off. Finish it off on a high note. Then go into the fourth. Locking down defensively. Great win. Great job clinching. Great job going for the seeding here. Two more games to get a higher seed. Two more games to hope that the Miami Heat drop and we take their five spot. We'll see. Maybe we can even get that four spot again. Who knows? Maybe the Hawks start dropping games. I don't know. We get home field. Uh, we get home court. Of, if we get the four, we have home court advantage. But that's that's a that's a stretch. Because the Hawks have a cupcake schedule the rest of the way. So that's it. Let's go to break. When we get back from our break, we'll do the question of the day, and then I'll be that from there. All right? Be right back. So for episode 245, I asked you guys, um, who closed for the Yankees in 2012 and recorded 42 saves? Remember, that was the year when Mariano went down with that devastating injury. Sagging, uh, shagging fly balls. Sagging. <laughs> shagging fly balls. Um, but who was, yeah, which Yankee recorded 42 saves as the temporary closer? In 2012. That was the question. The answer to the NYY NYK question of the day for episode 245. Rafael Soriano. I missed him. Oh, I've missed him. I've really missed him, man. I like him. I mean, obviously this fucking year we don't miss him anymore. We've got Aroldis Chapman, Hall of Fame closer. Has become the best closer in the game again after two, you know, below expectations kind of years for him. He's back, and he looks fucking dominant. But the answer to two, uh, 245, yeah, Rafael Soriano was fun. He was fun for a bit. Um, now, the NYY, NYK question of the day. For Ep 246, this episode, Friday night, or as you're listening, Saturday. The New York Knicks have won as many as 60 games in the regular season. But how many times did they do that? Alright. So the Knicks have won as many as 60 games in the regular season before. But how many times have they done that? In their history from 1947 all the way up to 2021. Alright, so message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or comment the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter once I publish you know, the link and the promos to this podcast. And let me know. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That's all I've got for episode 246 of BD4. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to BD4 right now. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, or you can do it on Spotify, SoundCloud, 
and other major podcast feeds. You can watch the podcast up on YouTube. I'm going to go watch ESPN. Scotty Van Pelt is talking about the playoff seating as I speak. So let's tune into that. Put this up, edit it, and then put it up. Um, and then hopefully you guys are enjoying it. And if you haven't yet, again, be sure to check out 245. A great time I had with two of my really good buddies. My, my best friend, Anthony, who's my cousin, and a good friend of mine, Mike. Um, really fun time. We reminisced. We talked about a lot of shit. We talked about the UFC fight coming up tomorrow night. And, you know, tomorrow night is tonight. As you're, as you're listening to this, it's probably Saturday, the 15th. So... Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you haven't yet, check out 245, then check out 246, or you can do it in whatever order. But be sure to subscribe to us no matter what you do. Thank you so much, guys. I'll see you in the next one. All right. Ciao.